for you. Um, what are we? What did you just want? The dragon bit. Oh, 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 oh. So maybe like seven or eight shows ago, like some girl came up after. She's like, "Oh my god, I love that part." It's like TikTok, and I was like, "Bitch, I've been doing this before TikTok." It's like TikTok. <laughs> I was like, "No, no, no." Was she seven? Mm-mm. She was a child. A newborn. Child. Somebody going? brought a newborn. Perfect. Um, okay, you ready? I am. Okay. Hey, everybody. Hey, socialites. Welcome back to the Social Studies Podcast, the podcast where we study being social by being social. Stoked. This is going to be a great episode, by the way. Um, one of my very good friends who I have the pleasure of catching up with this week here in NYC. I'm in New York City right now, by the way. Cute little podcast. No big by the way, Blake, I think I want my home studio to look like this. So let's take pictures of this before we leave. Because I would love to do some of this. That'd be cute. Good friend of mine, <laughs> kindergarten teacher extraordinaire, has been up to amazing things. This woman helped me a lot when I first started teaching kindergarten. We became, honest to God, like instant friends back in the day. Um, now author of an incredible children's book you have a voice i don't know why i said that weird let's um let's read it you have a voice which we will beyond beginning into um welcome to the podcast my very good friend you may know her online as the tutu teacher welcome to the podcast vera ahia hi hey sweet baby i'm so happy to be here i'm stoked to have you on again you're my favorite is this your second or third time on second second time because you were on we were when last time I was in New York pre pandy pre pandy in your hotel room in my hotel room. Yeah, that's very sexy. Look how things change. I know. Who are you now? Honestly, the same same old G, same hot mess, same old G, <laughs> same old G. <laughs> okay, um, how many years of kindergarten have you been teaching? This is my sixteenth year of kindergarten, which is. Do you want to die, or do you still love it just as much? So. <laughs> Yes and no. I love the kids. It's the kids. Yeah, like it's always the kids. It's always the kids. But am I tired of, like, bureaucracy? Yeah. Baby. Over it. There's a number one question I get. People are like, um, will you ever go back? Mm-hmm. And I always say, I'll never say never. Right. And then they say, don't you miss it? And I go, the kids. Right. Don't miss the moms. Nope. Don't miss the work, <laughs> the paper. The, isn't it crazy how much paperwork there is in teaching? And Yeah. And then what I won't miss is the, like, the, like, advocacy. So, like, if a kid needs X and we know it and then we say it and then it's all this other stuff to get it done. When we know, like, just do it. Just do it. Why am I waiting six months for it to get done knowing that now this kid has to wait six months to be able to access all the things they need to be just as good as they should be. You know what I mean? Like that's, I'm just, I'm like tired. I'm tired. Well, it's funny because there's so many people who, I I made a big switch because the biggest thing too is not being in the classroom has Mm. been liberating for me Mm -hmm. because I feel like I can finally say Mm -hmm. real ass shit Mm -hmm. because you know how it is when you're in the classroom, you have a target on your back and you can't say that stuff because you could be let go at any minute. Exactly. And one of the biggest things that I've been saying when I go to speak to like, um, like teacher ed programs and universities is I straight up tell the professors and they gasp. I say, when you spot a student who's not going to be good, tell them and guide them to pick something else. Mm. Because if this university is graduating 
insufficient educators, Mm -hmm. you're not doing a disservice to that person. You're doing a disservice to the kids that will sit before them. 100%. 100%. Right. What, what is wrong with being honest with someone? Nothing. Yeah. This is not your jam. Let's figure something else out. Uncut jobs. Uncut Did you see that? Jobs. <laughs> yes. Yes. It killed me. Literally. How are your babies this year? They honestly bring me so much joy. We just had a dance party Friday because we're counting down to the last day with the alphabet. So D was for dance party. And like we just, I bought glow sticks and we brought little disco lights. And we just listened to kids bop and danced all and had day. fun. And it was so fun. And that's the stuff I miss about kindergarten. Yeah. And I want I want more of that. And we lost a lot of it, of course, through the pandemic. But again, with the like expectations and, you know, how rigorous things are now. It's like I feel like I can't. I want that joy. I want the joy of kids just being five and dancing in a classroom because it's a Friday and it's fun. One hundred percent. That's the one thing that is like lacking. Yes. is the fun and the creativity and just because nobody understands that the social mm-hmm. the, well the social got completely yeah gone to yeah yep and we need to like ease back a little bit on the academics and Absolutely. just let them it talk to each other and well and now we're seeing that right so they had the first year where we all shut down and we didn't know what to do and then we had the next year but now that we're back in person we're seeing that there's this like disconnection for kids they don't know how to initiate conversations they don't know how to ask how to play with each other they don't know how to manipulate you know such social situations in but a they way know how to manipulate you <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's crazy. right but it's it's like so we do we need to Par back down on the academics and not like there's a learning gap. Like none of that mess. Like kids are kids. Don't we want them to be the best kid they can be? And like mm-hmm. maybe that takes a little more games and a, like a little less uh, assessments. Okay. Cause that's what I say. <laughs> that's what I always say. Right. Like if you are super smart, but don't have social skills, you turn out to be Elizabeth Holmes. Like that. Tell me I'm wrong. Right. (laughs) You know? Right. So it's like, if we don't take the time to tell kids, hey, if something's not going right. Right. You admit it and you work on it until you do it right. You know? And those are the types of things that they don't get at home. And here's the thing. I'm not blaming the parents. Mm. Fully. (laughs) I'm not blaming them fully. Fully. But when they're at home. And all this bullshit's happening. Right. Parents are going to be parents and be like, oh, it's okay. Like, whatever. Like, teachers, we're the ones who are kind of, like, lovingly, like, it's not. It's not. It's and, not. Right. And they needed that yeah. and didn't have it. I just don't know. Sometimes I'm like, I wish we could do two types of teaching. Like, the parent side of teaching where we're like, these are things you should look for. Or when your child does this, these are the ways that you can guide them other ways. Uh and then, of course, the kid side of teaching, it's just so like I feel like the other load on us is that we have to do both of those things. We mm-hmm. have to do the parent side, the teacher side, the social emotional side, the academic side. And at some schools, it's like we're also the art teacher, the music teacher, the nurse. It's overwhelming. And yeah. a lot of us didn't go to school for all that. So Ooh, I'd say the vast majority. <laughs> <laughs> and we were talking, I was talking with my co-teacher yesterday about like how we have these social, emotional assessments we're giving kids. I'm 
not qualified to determine what a kid necessarily needs and the best way to get them there for social emotional stuff. Like that's, I have not been trained. I don't know. And I don't want to, like, are we going to see five years later the harm that some of the things we did because they're quote unquote best practices, but who's saying they're best practices? We know that this country is established on quote unquote best practices and those are messed up. So where do we start to be like really thinking of who should be implicated in who should be the ones that are having these conversations with kids? And maybe it's not the teachers. Maybe it is a professional. I've always said that, okay, because obviously mental health and especially in elementary school, mm-hmm. super important, needs to change. Right. I've always said that I think it's crazy that schools don't, well, they can't because there's no funding, but mm-hmm. we don't double down on those types of professionals. Mm-hmm. And I think that the only way to have it be adequate would be to have a school psych or school social worker or counselor or all. All three of you yeah. can afford it. But one assigned per grade level. Absolutely. Like the K team. Right. The first grade team yes. has their yes. own. And they can like really focus on those kids and drill in. Absolutely. On what they, and then they meet as their own PLC right. to help transition as they move forward. Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. Like, like the, that's like integral to like a well-balanced community is having at the the people who make the community prosper. And uh, SLT, not SLT, uh, counselor, social worker, all of these people who have the skill sets mm-hmm. that many of us educators don't have come into play and say like, oh, this is developmentally appropriate. Here are the games you can play or here's the ways we can set up these interactions for kids. Yeah. We need it. It's weird though, too, because I sit here and I can like say that to you, mm. but then at the same time, I'm thinking like, is this a pipe dream? Mm. You know what I mean? Is this Mostly, just, yeah. I know, it's yeah. just sad. It is it's an, sad. an important one. Right. But yet it's like, for that to be realistic would be astronomical. Right. I don't know. It's out of control. It really is. And like, I was thinking, I'm in school now to do. What? I know. You're back in school? I'm back in school. Well, last week was my first week, so it's been one week. Oh, tell me, student. I'm trying to, I'm working to become a librarian. Why am I not shocked? Great segue. <laughs> We're going to talk about this in just a second. We're going to cut to our first commercial. We're here with Vera Ahia, the tutu teacher. We'll be right back. First of all, when did this process start? Where are you going? What's happening with that? Okay, so basically my co-teacher sent me this link to a program where you get your master's degree in library sciences and you'll get your license um, to be a school librarian and it's a year one year and so I was like well that's perfect because the program is created specifically for teachers it's Mm -hmm. like a teacher to librarian program so they like totally understand our schedule everything is asynchronous so it's kind of everything everything wow cool so it's kind of like the best situation for me still being in the classroom doing all the other things I'm doing yep and so yeah I went for it I did my first set of work this past week and it's bananas but one thing in the learning is how like there are no school librarians. Like there are schools, our school doesn't have a school librarian right now. And I know in New York City, um, it's mandated now that every middle school and high school have a librarian. So that's like, there's a surge of librarians coming up in the city, but it's like, 
that's one place. But what about elementary schools? Like those kids need access to great resources too. And so coupled with the social workers, the counselors, the lack of librarians, the lack of specialists, artists, musicians, like all of those things that we know culturally like really help a society thrive and build innovation and make us inspired to do all of these things we don't have the money for. We don't take the time for. Well, that's the thing too. Schools not having librarians, and don't quote me, I don't know if this is true, mm-hmm, but is. I would think that the 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 downfall of when that started to dip, mm-hmm. because I feel like when we watch like movies and things, it was always like every school had it, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, is when elementary schools made their librarians be the media specialist, mm-hmm. the technology mm-hmm. coach, and the librarian. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but why are we doing these three things when this person needs to be focused on like reading, right. reading curriculum, and organizing the space where kids can actively seek books with ease? Right, right, right. So yeah, it's it's like the multitasking of a of a space. Right. And there are ways in which you can still do a lot of those things and still have a great library, uh, library space. But if we don't look at and I just I only read like one bit of an article that did directly say that school libraries, places where there were school libraries saw an increase in academic performance an increase in like social skills. All oh, yeah. of these things increase because you've made and created and gave time to a space where kids can go find books they like, discover new resources. I know lots of libraries now have like maker spaces, like all these ways for kids to just engage in their own learning for their own sake. Why wouldn't we want those things? I'm just, I don't. And the other thing I read was that our current school calendar, typically from August to May or September to June, was created so that kids could go to school August to May and then have the summer months to work at, in agriculture. So, Oh, like, my God. Right? It makes sense. It makes sense. But why are we still operating that way? Yeah, yeah. Why are we, like, what are we doing? Why haven't we reevaluated, like, best practices that we know help our kids be successful? It's, like, mind-boggling to me that yep. I— that we still think that this is the best way for kids to learn is to be in school for all of this time just so that they can. And I'm not saying like we shouldn't have the summers off, but I am trying to like, what are we, what are we doing? Yep. What are we doing and why are we doing it? I've always wondered this too. Why do high schools start school at the ass crack of dawn <laughs> and some elementary schools don't start until nine thirty ten 10 yep. for the first bell. Yep. And it's like, we know that little kids wake up earlier. Yep. Their parents are tired as hell by the time they get to school because they've been up since five. Exactly. So, but like these high school kids are falling asleep in first period. Why is this like this? It's so crazy it's to me. Bl- mind blowing. And they have like high school kids have jobs like they have work to do. Like, why can't we read? I don't know. It's just it. Everything is set up for capitalism, right? Mm-hmm. Like everything is set up so that we're working, that we're involved in making money and that we're dying. Yes, And also everything the light touches is our kingdom. Mm. Um, I want to talk to you about your book. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So you, last time I was here, you like, you (laughs) sprinkled. Stupid lying king (laughs) asshole. (laughs) You never know me. 
<laughs> you sprinkled a little nugget in my ear. Got it. And you were like, I'm getting started on a book. Did I say that? It was you, Vera, you had like a, you had your meeting with your publisher and you were like excited to like present Shut your idea. Up. Yeah. It was like very fresh. Oh my gosh. And then. Wow. Some time went by and you sent me pre-sketches of your art. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, this is real. You're like, this is going to be a real book. And I was like, this is crazy. And now you have a voice that's like out to the masses. You can get it. It actually popped up on Amazon as um, like a suggested purchase for me. It's like a number one suggestion. Just so you know, it could for you. It It should for you. I want to talk to you about a couple things about it. First of all, love. Why? Why (laughs) a book? Why did you write a book? Why? Like what? First of all, why? Yeah. Um, so you have a voice came from during the pandemic um, when George Floyd was murdered. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we were all learning remotely. And so I knew that had we been in person, like we would have sat down as a class, had a conversation, um, you know, built around the conversations we've had previously around segregation, racism, all of those things. And then talked about like there are people dying mm-hmm. and being murdered because uh Not a majority, but a lot of people believe that black people, brown people should not have access to the same rights and privileges as others or white people. And so because we were not face to face, I was like, let me just read this book called um, I can't now I can't think of the name, but it's by Julius Lester. um, And it's about racism um, and just talks about like skin color and like why we have it. And so I read the book. And then after I read the book, I just talked about racism. Like, it's wrong. (laughs) And you have to speak up when you see it. Like the person who videoed, thank God, was there to videotape what happened to George Floyd. um, Because we know it's wrong. And if we continue to be silent about it, things are never going to change. And so that video went viral. And it was shared with a lot of teachers, which I'm so thankful for, because I know that for some teachers, you're talking about your video. My video. You're yeah. not not the video of George Floyd. No, no, just yeah, clarifying yeah, sorry. for the fans. Yes, my video of reading the book and then having this discussion about racism uh, went viral, and it was great that it went viral because it was an opportunity for teachers, I think, to engage in a conversation that they might have been afraid to engage before. And we know we saw the black squares, and you know, a lot of activism for the first time. I think for a lot of people, hopefully not the last time. My friend Rhoda, who has her own publishing company called High Tree, said, you need to turn the words of that video into a book. And I was like, that's ridiculous because, like, I'm just a teacher. I'm never interested in being a writer. I've always loved to read, but I was never like, I'm going to write a book. That was never my thing. Um, And then she kept bugging me incessantly. And so I said, I'll sit down and do it. And I did. And I turned a lot of the words into, like, Maybe not the best like rhyme scheme, whatever. But I knew that kids remember rhyme and rhythm. And I wanted there to be a phrase that repeated so that if they felt like they needed to be reminded of the ways in which they can be helpful and successful and like activism, um, it's like, you know what's right, you know what's wrong, you have a voice, speak up, be strong. And I said that over throughout the book in hopes that kids would take that away and actively engage in changing the things around them that they know is wrong. Racism being one of them, homophobia, transphobia, all of the ways in which people are being told that they're less than. Mm -hmm. And kids can see that. They can see it happen. They can see people be cruel. They can see people 
use unkind words and they themselves can do something about it. And what's the repetitive phrase in the book again? Um, you know what's right. You know what's wrong. You have a voice. Speak up. Be strong. How'd that come to you? Is that something you used in your classroom before? No. Wow. I don't know. I'm I do love like, it. Yeah, I don't know. You're just writing and... I'm just like writing it, whatever. I don't know. It's just... It really just came to you? Yeah. That's amazing. Oh, thanks. I do want to say this, though. Mm. I love that your message online caught the attention of someone who could help you take that message bigger. Mm. But one thing that I know about you is this is something that's been your passion for a very, very long time. And you've always been an advocate for diverse reads Mm -hmm. in elementary school because it is true. There is a lack of diversity in children's literature and I honestly I would say in the past five years that has been disrupted for the better and I love it right it's blown up it's It's, been great it's blowing up too however Mm -hmm. there are still you know we see diverse characters we Mm -hmm. see diverse um, storylines in terms of like culture and Mm -hmm. families and situations but the one thing that does lack too is the message. Mm-hmm. And I love that your book is so blatant with it. Yeah. And we're saying to families, really, you, if you don't talk about this, that leads to problems. Exactly. And I truly believe that your book is not only the least that a family could do, but it's such a, it is a, I'm, the word that's coming to me right now is non-invasive, and that's mm. wrong. Mm. It's a, there's no pressure. It's just, it like, it comes, the message comes at you with ease, mm. and you are giving your readers an opportunity to see this message. And if, I'm so sorry, but if anyone disagrees with it, you <laughs> you, you got to do a little bit of self-discovery. Exactly, because you, you, And exactly. You're, you're literally on the pages just being like, you know the difference between right and wrong. Right. You need to do something about that when right, you see it. Right. And I love that. Yeah. I really wanted it to be, like you said, we got to just say it. We just got to say it. This is what racism is. I mm-hmm. really like, I looked up the textbook definition. I asked multiple people, like, this is what we all know to be the, the, the definition of racism. So let's yeah. put it on the paper so that there's never any questioning of, um, I just really think he's just being mean. No, that's racist. Right. And so even with my kids, uh, unfortunately, after this murder of 10 people in Buffalo, again, I talked to my kids. The morning message said, what is racism? We're going to keep talking about it. And one of my kids raised their hand It's and said, it's when black and brown people are treated differently because of the color of their skin. We're not messing around. I'm not playing with them. They yep. know what it is because you have to know so that when you see it, you could call it for what it is. Yes, and absolutely. And if you play around with like, oh, they're just really not being nice. Then what does that tell kids? That just tells like, oh, I'm just not being nice. No, you're being racist. Those things are racist. Yeah. Let's call it what it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing, too. It's like identify this when you're little. Right. So if right. you... So my whole thing, too, is like sometimes little kids are are going to be brought up in families that I idealize, unfortunately, racist tendencies. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. But if those kids are getting a message outside of the home right. that that's not right, right, that later on in life, they'll reflect on that and hopefully, hopefully 
That's all we can break do. Break a pattern. Right. That's all we can do. But Would if we never talk about it, when do we get the opportunity to change it? Well, that's we've we've broken that chain. We're not not talking about <laughs> it. Um, what did your class do the first time you read it to them? Oh, they were and so did you, sweet. Did they know it was yours or how did you set this I up? I can't remember how I set it up. I think because I was just so nervous. I think I probably just read it to them. And I don't even think my co-teacher was there because I was so nervous. I was just like, get out of the room. Um, yeah, and we read the book and they were just like, they got it. I mean, again, we've had conversations mm-hmm. around these things. So the idea of talking about race wasn't new to them, but they were definitely like, oh, my God, you wrote a book. And then I just told you about the alphabet countdown. We had a B day and B was like book day. And so we made a list of all of our favorite books. And one of my kids no, said, stop it. Your book is my favorite. Oh, my And he God. drew a picture, and he had, like, racism, and it was crossed out. It was just one of the pictures in the book? Yeah. yeah. Wow. I loved it. Yeah. So, like, my kids truly, truly, and I've had great responses from kids all around, like, all around the country. I went to Boston to back to my old school, and they, like, really responded to it. So it's been really nice to see that, you know, sometimes our perspective is only what's right right in front of us. Mm-hmm. And so we create this world of like, everything's nice. Like people really like it. But actually being outside of the world of mm-hmm. our own world and people actually responding well to it and saying like, my kids love this book and we're having great conversations yeah. has been really affirming for me. How are the parents responding to it? Everyone I'm like, is there anything of wood nearby? (laughs) Yes, there is. (laughs) Has seemed to be, seemed to be positive. And I hope that it's sparking more conversations. I hope the next conversation is like, what's homophobia look like? What does that mean? How do we see it? What can we do? What is trans? Like, I hope that it leads to more ways in which people start to take action and not are just like passively knowing things are wrong, but actually doing something about what they know. Yeah. Yeah. And just making making sure that they understand that they right. have a voice and they can use it. Right. There exactly. you go. It blows my mind too, because like I I think about like your book mm. specifically and the the lead teacher in the book is <laughs> You know, yes. and it's it's this gorge down to the earrings. I it's know, just like what it. you would wear, it, what you mm-hmm, do, mm-hmm. and the artist really captured it too. But what I what I <laughs> what I love about it is um, it's a black teacher in a classroom, yep. and it is your life, and that is something that across the country mm-hmm. is not as common as it should be. Yep. and I really like that what you're doing alone is inspiring more people of color to maybe pursue this as a career path. Oh, wow. I hope so. Have you, <laughs> have you spoken with like any like young people of color who are inspired by what you do, who want to go into education or anything like that? I mean, I don't know directly if they've, um, if they felt inspired to become an educator because <clears throat> of me, I, I, I would hope that like, if anything, I'm helping people of color, like feel like that I'm helping contribute to, to our work, that it's a collective work Yeah. that I'm a black educator collectively working with black educators to do more than what we could do by ourselves is mm-hmm. my hope. Um, and so getting to work with like Lanisha and Naomi and all these other black educators that like are actively speaking up about racism are actively engaging in conversations about racism and race and gender and everything that we know is important for young people. I hope that that we're collectively seeing 
um, how important it is that our voices are at the forefront of a lot of the conversations and hopefully inspiring, you know, um, future educators of color to pursue education and hopefully like change this mess. Because this is the truth is if we are a nation built on diversity, mm-hmm. which we say we are, <laughs> um, we need that to be represented into the people that work with our kids. Exactly. And it really needs to be all people. Recently, the school that I most recently worked at invited me back for a flag raising for the first day of Pride. And I was like, mm-hmm. never, never in my life did I think I'd see that day. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. But just like little tiny things like that, like make the world real. Yeah. And if I could only imagine like if the world was real like that when I was growing up, like, you yeah. know what I mean? If it's you like, you got to see you, one of your, not one of your teachers, but a teacher come and raise a pride flag. Like this is like not weird. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like this, this is, is just living so, in the world. Exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's like mind boggling. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Um, what has been your biggest takeaway since being a straight up author? Um, that that kids get it kids get it i thought i thought that i knew that from my again my own perspective my own like reality but being able to again talk to teachers going places and actually saying in front of kids i don't know like i wrote this book after george floyd was murdered and being able to like roll into this conversation and them not going like what oh no like no gasps and no like they're not afraid to learn. Mm-hmm. They're just, uh, they just don't know. And so, like, I've been so happy to see kids take the message and really hold on to it. And I hope that these conversations continue beyond this book, um, you know, because I, I always say, like, books are a great key to a big door. And you have to do the rest of the work to open the door, see what's inside, discover all the other things you have access to. And books are just a great way to turn the key, but you have to do all of the other work. So this book is a great way to start a conversation, but you need to do the work of inviting, you know, people of color to your conferences and having conversations with, like you said, people outside of your norm and pulling in all of these following creators of color online and like doing that work makes it more real, makes it more than just a good book that you read one time. So not all schools and not all teachers are, uh, full, not, I wouldn't say on board. I would mm. hope they're on board, mm. but they might not be fully equipped because change starts with a baby step, right? Yep. When it comes to your book in particular, what what baby step would you say for a teacher who maybe has not, mm. um, who has not had like the most diverse section Mm -hmm. in their library Mm -hmm. and they really want to shake things up in their classroom, but they've never done it. And they're a little bit worried. What would you tell them? I would say that there's no need to feel ashamed because if we live in shame, we live in fear and we don't do anything with that. But now that you know better, of course the quote do better. And so take a step of, following people online and seeing how many people you can follow that are completely different than you, not only based on race, but age and gender and sexuality and religion. And that will open your world. And then take the next step. What nonprofit can you engage in? Even if it's passive engagement, like there's, um, I donate passively monthly to Point of Pride 
right? And I just give money. I don't have any understanding of what it means to go through, um, you know, wearing a binder, but I'm absolutely going to give money so somebody can go through that and mm-hmm. get what they need to like live their life, right? So like there are things you can do that take away from you feeling like, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to sit here not knowing. You can do passive things and you can do active things that at least help momentum build and continue on so that you're not just this lack of a better word, just like ignorant, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Last question before we get in the emails, which is fun. I think you're going to love it. Um, When's the sequel coming out? What's going on? Oh my gosh. So I do have a teacher PD book I wrote called (laughs) Rebellious Read Alouds. It's so cute. (laughs) And that book, I didn't even know this, everybody. No, no I didn't know this. I didn't know that. That was out. It's out, out. It's out right now. Oh, it's my God. Right now it's live. And how's it going? Are people using it? Yeah, Hell this one's yeah. great. Basically, I took children's books and all diverse children's books. So books about families with <clears throat> different family structures, uh, languages, food, all these different ways that our identity um, comes into play. And looked at what was like the meat, like where could we hit hard If you don't, again, like you said, don't have a diverse library, but you have this book, how can I pull this book and have a great conversation about, oh, yeah, kids have two dads. What does my family structure look like? What is their, like, just start a conversation. Um, And so that one's out. Love. Love it. And then Kinder Garden, which is how we are kind in our faces. Kinder Garden. That comes out next month, June 21st actually a month today. Um, and I started writing basically the sequel to Kinder Garden. And okay. that one is, who knows? Well, here we go. I know. I'm excited for this journey. I am too. Who knew? Three books. I feel like we're going to have like the Vera Ahia Library of New York oh, City. Can you imagine? At some point. I think it's going to happen. Okay. Um, we'll be right back, everybody, with the emails. So I do, since you've been on the podcast, I do this new thing where I have the fans write in. Oh. Mm-hmm. You can write in if you're a Patreon member, patreon.com slash Dombrowski. And they give me like wild stories that have happened in their classrooms. Oh, yes, 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 or yes, their yes. life. Okay. And we dissect it. I'm dying. This one is kinder specific and okay. I thought it would be perfect. Oh, Are you ready for it? I'm scared. Okay, here we go. I'm pretty sure this has happened to you too. It One million percent happened to me. Okay. Hi, Joe. Love the podcast. Love listening in every single week. Thanks, girl. When I taught kindergarten, I had a student, the entire K teaching aid team affectionately called Pebbles. Because every freaking time we went out to recess, he found a way, he was usually supervised also, by the way, to shove one or more Pebbles up his snooter. She said snooter. Snooter. Snooter being a nose? Snooter being a nose. Okay, because you never know. (laughs) They do have interesting names for their everything. For their everything. One day, when close to him, I smelt a foul odor around his head. Foul odors in kindergarten equal typically so, they can be so big that you can't even deal with it. I couldn't find the source of the smell, though. Oh, my God. A number of days went by. I am so nervous. And the smell kept getting more and more rancid. Days. Days, she said. Getting within inches, the odor coming from this child, when he spoke, Mm. became overwhelming. When he spoke? Yep, because oh. if something was stuck in a snooter, it would come out of his mouth too, right? 
Okay. I don't exactly know how bodies work, no, but I totally, think that's right. Because they do that thing where, where they stick s- the spaghetti in and go, Ow. Yes, yes. So I think that would work. Okay. Joe, I'm not even shitting you. This smells like the most <laughs> rancid dog shit I've ever smelled oh in my, my life. Oh my God. <laughs> Coming out of a kid's mouth. Based on other nasty habits, I would not have been surprised if this kid was eating actual dog shit. Stop it. Spoke with the mom, who was also very concerned about the smell. Okay, good. She brought him to the doctor, who examined his nasal passages. How many pebbles? And guess what he found. What do you think he found? I think he found four pebbles in there. A pistachio! No! No (laughs) shell! The pebbles that he stuck up his nose that week were pistachios, stuck up there for most likely more than a week before now almost fully rotting. Just another day in a life as a kindergarten teacher. What do you think? How many pistachios? It sounds like just one. Wow. 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 Pistachio, no shell. Yep. I've never had noses. I've never had up noses. Never? Never. Never, ever. Ever. Never had up noses. You've... Vera. I've never had up noses. I taught kindergarten for a year and, and I had, had multiple ears, nose, everything. No. Okay, I've told this story on the podcast before. Yeah. If you're a new listener, here you get it for the first time. I did an activity with beads. I had beads and yeah. Dixie cups, and I was an idiot kindergarten teacher and didn't give it's them right. directions. It's, oh, baby. So I saw this kid sticking him up his nose. And before that kid, I was like, okay, put him away. Let's talk about the rules. Where do we not put beads? And they were like, your nose, your ears. Right. And one girl, one girl goes, you're China. Yep. I was also, like, you're China. I, I do go, have a China story I could tell you, though. You want it? Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. We're all outside. This was years ago, early in my career. We're all outside. And at that time, multiple grades were all outside, too. So it was like maybe kindergarten, second grade, fourth grade, whatever. So we're all outside. And there was like a track. Mm -hmm. And there's some patchy, dirty, you know. Teachers are just yak, yak, yakking to each other. You know, watching, yakking. And one of my kids comes over to me. And his face is all grumpy. He's got furrowed eyebrows. And he's looking at me. He goes, at the time I was... Using my unmarried name, so my name is Miss Corbett. Miss Corbett. It's like, yes, what's going on? Those kids over there, they're drawing vaginas. (laughs) 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 I go, vaginas? Okay, I'll go look at the vaginas and... There were no vaginas when I went over there, but... What were they drawing? Just but, bacon? <laughs> Is that how you imagine the vagina? Honestly, I don't fully understand vaginas. It's, yeah. But... It, it's complicated. It is. There's yeah. a lot. It's a lot. There's it's a, a lot. lot. That's a fully functional factory down it, there. It is a blessing and a curse, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, sometimes I'll text my old teacher friends, like... Everyone's vagina okay. <laughs> I love that. It was that's my and I don't have any up no stories. I feel that's like that's crazy. I, especially for sixteen I know. years. Maybe there was a sneaky one that no one told me about. I feel like I would remember the trauma of a kid having something in an orifice that they couldn't get out. Those Boston kids never did some crazy <laughs> shit. Up their nose? I don't think so. Ears? 
Nothing? No, because that's like emergency, right? Like that's not. It sh- I mean, right. it should be. I definitely had the like, oh, I accidentally cut my hair. Accidentally, week, a, week. You're full oh, bangs. Yeah, I you love. You got the little. The, the, I had a girl cut. She took her whole no. bangs and cut it. And it was like, it looked like that early 2000s haircut where you would put all your hair forward oh, and then the, spike it just in front. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah, that's what her hair looked like. Poor it was like, baby. Yeah. I did have. A really good friend of mine growing up, her kid went to kindergarten for the first time last year. Okay. And it was the first day of school. And the teacher called because he swallowed a quarter. (gasps) And she was like, why did you swallow a quarter? He's like, it was dirty and I wanted to clean it. So I put it in my mouth and (laughs) I accidentally forgot it was there and I swallowed it. He swallowed a quarter. So do you know what happens when you swallow something too big like that? No, They give you like juice no, they give you, like, some things so they can watch it under x-ray. Okay. Because they had to watch it to make sure it didn't flip. Because oh. if it flipped, it would have blocked his whatever, and they had to surgically remove it. Oh, my gosh. But otherwise, you just pass it. Would you keep it? I'd like a quarter in me. Yeah. Yeah. I would, like, put it in a little vial and give it back yeah. to him at his graduation. Oh make sure the poo-poo is cleaned the off. Poo-poo. Right? <laughs> I don't know. But I am I am honestly flabbergasted. Kindergarten I, is the most chaotic round of what's happening absolutely and you've never had anything i don't think so i'm like trying to pull from memory i don't think so you i feel like in these next couple years it's going to happen to you i mean these post-covid kids are they are (laughs) this is a whole different planet it is they're not even real it's like is anything real anymore i really do feel like now it's just all simulation it is We're just all being controlled by Elon Musk or something. I don't know. Truly. And if you're a brand new teacher and you're listening to this and this is your first year teaching, you can do anything. You like, are a superstar. You, yeah, we're reinventing the wheel by <laughs> default, so you can do no wrong. Yeah, you're going to be great. Um, Vera, where can people find, we'll start here. Where can okay. people find you personally? You can find me. I go to like a song. Also, this is so New York. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, in a, wanna, we're in a soundproof room and that we can still hear the ambulances. Um, you can find me in the club, bottle full of bub. Club kindergarten. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Instagram, the tutu, t- uh, anywhere, the tutu teacher. All of it is the tutu teacher. The tutu teach. Yeah. And where can they get the book? So you have a voice and Kinder Garden, which is out next month, and Rebellious Read Alouds, all available at your local bookstore. You might have to ask to pre-order, but um, if not, please try to order from a bookstore before another place. Another place that's not being said, but I might have said it earlier. My bad. Support small business, most local bookstores. <laughs> Did you hate when I sent you that text? I was oh, like, yeah, here, no, look. I loved it. I loved it. I you know, a purchase see. is a purchase at the end of the day. You are very active and vocal about um, local mom and pop bookshop. Yeah, because I found out, like, how the those who shall not be named work and like the reason why you can get books cheaper on that website sometimes is not because like you're saving a deal it's because um it's more enticing for it to be cheaper um on that website than on at a bookstore and the bookstore can't change the price they have to do what the publisher set the price as whereas that website can do whatever they want Mm. and so 
it's just kind of like an unfair system for bookstores. I just feel like they have an unfair advantage. And so like, why not? If you're going to buy a book, just spend like a dollar extra and it might take five days and not two days. But yeah. Exhibit patience. <laughs> I got it. I know. Vera, I love having you on the podcast. Thanks I love for being, being here. here. Oh, I'm so um, proud of everybody, you. this is what I want you to do. This is your challenge for the week. You are going to, first of all, you're going to pause right now. You're going to follow Vera. That's what you're going to do. You're going to do you. that. Yeah. And then I want you to go get the book. Um, I want you to get You Have a Voice. And even if you're not a teacher, this is a great gift for an emerging reader mm. or a reader, or an active reader. It's not just a great book for your classroom library. It's a great book for your kid's home library. Mm. I don't care where you're going to use it, but it's important. And I would like to see this book um, flourished around all over the place. So mm. get it, figure out where it's going to go and put it to good use. Um I'm obsessed with you. I love you. Thanks for coming back on. I love you. Bye. Bye.